Thank you so much. You can have a seat. Great seeing you all today, just sitting there worshiping and praying and asking the Lord to give me the words to say. And I'm thinking, it's, you know, this is a time of the week on Sunday at 1045 that we set aside to come here to this house. It's been for 20 years now. Uh, I've been here, it'll be 15 in February, but just where we set this time away to just come and listen and, and participate and fellowship and pray. And Father, I just lift this time up to you, Lord. I think about the things that are going on in this country around the world, Lord, and there's so many things that I see and hear that are really not of you, Lord. And But you call us to uh, work out our salvation with fear and trembling, not just talk about it, but work it out, Lord. With fear and trembling, uh, the word says, as we shine like bright stars in the universe, holding fast to your word, Father. And as we look into your word right now, Lord, in this Christmas season, Father, I just pray that you bless us. Pray that you open up our hearts and our minds of what it truly means to be a Christian. What does it look like to live like a Christian? Uh, the word says if we want to be your disciple, we have to die to self and pick up your cross and follow you daily, Father. Uh, just like Lily talked about today in the youth, Lord, daily. It's an everyday thing that we want to live for you, Father, just not a Sunday thing, Lord. And I just give you the glory and the opportunity to share your truth today, Lord, how blessed. And I know I'll stand before you one day, Lord, and give an account. Did you share the truth with them? Did you live out the truth with them? Did you love on them? Did you snatch them out of the fire, Lord, of this world, Lord? And I know I can't do anything without you, Father, so we have to trust in you, Father. And I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As you see from the title of the message is Gabriel's Visit, and he really does two visits in Luke chapter 1. We started last week talking about how the prophets really started before Christmas started. The prophets were telling us about Christ and how he would come. So the word Gabriel means God is great. God is great. He was an archangel, which means like he was a primary angel or a principal angel who acted as a messenger for God. I read in a commentary, and I never realized this, all the appearances of Gabriel in the Bible, recorded in the Bible, are connected with the promise about the coming of Messiah. And that's what this season is all about, the coming of Jesus. Gabriel's visit, he first went to Zechariah, who was married to Elizabeth and told him he would have a son named John. In Luke chapter 1, verse 10, it says, the, verse 10, it says, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, all right? This wasn't like some 70s thing, Woodstock, with the smoke of marijuana, but this was real incense. And back then, it was the priest's duty to keep the incense burning on the altar in front of the most holy place, they called it. And he, the priest, when he would be called to do this, he would supply it with a fresh incense before the morning sacrifice and at the same time at the evening sacrifice. The priests were chosen by lot to complete these assignments. They would have the privilege of doing this 
hardly any time in their life, very rarely, and sometimes priests were never called to do that. But at this time, Zechariah was the priest in there. And we'll see the next few verses that Zechariah, he was troubled because he got visited by this angel named Gabriel. And my first point was that Gabriel gives Zechariah the details of what is to come. Verse 11 in Luke 1, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side. Can you see that? Close your eyes and see that. The right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And that's what we want to do here in this church, turn many away from the grips of hell or the grips of Satan or the grips of enemy to take away our sins. But it said he will be filled from the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Isn't that beautiful? What would be a definition of a church to make people ready to be prepared to go and see the Lord when they leave this earth? That really should be our number one purpose, maybe even as a parent, to prepare your teenager, your child, to be ready for the Lord. Question number one, I have some questions for you today. If you were visited by an angel, what would they be telling you to do or not to do? Think about it. You're at home tonight, you're sitting in your room, and I know every Sunday night you just break out the word and start reading it and turn the TV off, but the angel visits you, what would they tell you to do and not to do? So I thought to myself, well, I would tell you what I think the angel would tell me. He would say, Nikki, stay faithful. He would say, keep seeking the Lord and continue to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He would say, Nikki, he's not done with you yet. Continue to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And this is the word of truth. And as Christians, that's what we need to do daily is divide that word of truth. He would tell me to preach and teach the word in season and out of season. Whether adults or teenagers, he would say, Nikki, stay rooted and grounded in him stay steadfast and unmovable then he would also say nick do not try to do things on your own strength trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight nick and then he would also say try not to watch so much baseball don't think you have to watch every Hallmark movie on the Hallmark Channel and Movies and Mysteries, even though there's two of them tonight. <laughs> so the next stop on Gabriel's mission to 
prepare God's people for the coming of our Savior Jesus was that he visited Mary. The engaged virgin Mary received a message more shocking than even Zechariah. Mary was going to give birth to the Son of God, capital S, capital G, who will reign as a king forever, even though she was still a virgin. A virgin. And Luke 1, 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, And the virgin's name was Mary. This is when we first see her name in the Bible. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So my next question for you right now, December 15, 2019, right now, Could you discern, and when I say discern, I would mean uh, determine, distinguish. Would you understand how your relationship with God is right now? How are you doing with your relationship with God? Is it growing right now on December 15, 2019? Is it stagnant or does it need improving? In verse 30, it says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. How many people want to find favor with God? Seriously. How important is it to live our lives to find favor with God? And as Christians, we got to realize, what does that look like? How do I find favor with God? Do I find favor with Him when I come to church? Do I find favor with Him when I'm faithful? Do I find favor with Him when I give a portion of the money that God has blessed us with? And the things he has given us to have our jobs and stuff? Is that a part of being faithful? How does Gabriel describe Jesus? It's beautiful. Because he said, The angel of the Lord, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will show call his name Jesus. So how does Gabriel describe Jesus? And you look at verse 32 and 33. It's a great thing to Ask us, somebody say, well, can you describe who Jesus is to me? You can look at these two verses. He'll be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. Think about that. Lately, the past couple months, I found this station, Axis TV, and it uh, has Dan Rather on it, and they call it the big interview. And they, uh, he interviews, you know, famous musical people. And I found out uh, last week that he uh, was interviewing John Anderson, who was a hero of mine when I was in college, because I told you, yes, was my favorite secular group of all time, and John Anderson's a singer of him. So I listened to that interview because I wanted to see what John had to say about his life. And usually in interview, and I don't know where Dan Rather is, if he's a Christian or not, I have no idea. Uh, But he always asked in in the interview, what is your faith like? Do you believe in God? And John Anderson paused and said, oh, I definitely believe in God. But then he made the statement, we all have our isms. And I thought to myself, 
What does he mean by that? Buddhism? Hinduism? Mormonism? We all have our isms. And I thought to myself, it's one thing to say you believe in God, but it's another thing to receive Christ as your Savior. It's another thing to make a decision, you know, when you get down on your knees one day, just like Kathy and I did in 1981, Lord, we haven't been that good, you know. We realize that you're not on the cross anymore, and all of a sudden we heard the gospel preach that the reason why he died on the cross was to make a payment for our sins. But guess what? We have to receive him. We have to come to that time in our lives, no matter how young or how old you are. My, my, my dad was 72 before he received Christ. But you have to realize that you have to come and call upon him. So you just, just can't say you believe in God and we all have our isms because if you have an ism, you don't believe in God. Because Buddhism is not of God. Hinduism is not of God. Mormonism is not of God. There is only one God. And he has a son as his name, Jesus. And if you want to be a Christian, you have to receive him into your life. And then from then on, you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And working out your salvation, I'm not going to say this on Christmas Eve, means that you just come on Christmas and Easter. That's not working out your salvation. Never opening this book is not working out your salvation. Forgiving people when they have sin is not, not forgiving people for their sin is not working out your salvation. You get what I'm saying? When you're a Christian, it's all about forgiving. It's all about receiving his mercy and his grace. And then you're going on and having relationships as marriage and relationships with your kids. And you're raising your kids and you want them to realize that Christ is the answer. There's no isms. Now, you'll learn about isms in college or in high school. They'll teach you all about Islam. They'll teach you all about Jehovah Witness and Mormonism. But when it comes to Christians, mm, we really don't want to have God in the picture. And then we have this enemy who the Lord said that Eric read today in John 14, 30. The ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing to do with me, Jesus said. I go to the Father. I love the Father. And I want you to know that I love the Father and I obey the Father. But this ruler of this world is coming, and he wants nothing else but you to have nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with working out your salvation. Nothing to do with you uh, being a part of a church family. Nothing to you of giving. Anybody have to do taxes next year? I've been doing them every year, man. And every year, and I think you have too, and every year I sit before Old Town Tax and what's her name? I always forget. Renee, Renee Turner. And I sit before her and I give her all my stuff and she sees my W-2. She sees how much I made every year. And she sees how, because she knows I'm a pastor, she sees how much I give to the church. And I thought to myself, well, you all do taxes too. So when you stand before God, Will he show you, well, this is how much you paid Caesar, like the uh, thing in the Bible, and how much did you give to God? Think about that for a moment. Won't we stand before him and give an account on what we gave to God with what he blessed us with? And what are your excuses going to be? Well, I had too much on my credit card, or I had, you know, there's no excuses for that. Why did I get off on that? 
How did Gabriel describe Jesus? He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. And then we see Mary's response to Gabriel. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? I am a virgin. And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, and he will be called Holy, the Son of God. And I guess I came here to tell you, if you make that decision to live for Christ, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will over, overshadow you and be there for you in good times and bad times. But unlike Zechariah, when I read these two visits that Gabriel made to Zechariah and Mary, Mary exhibits a childlike faith that I think will always bring joy to our Father God. And when I'm sitting in there and praying with Shelby and Keith when he's here and Eric Schoenhoff when he comes in here, Eric, you have childlike faith. And I appreciate that. And you are a good testimony to us in this church, a good testimony to the teens in there. You have a childlike faith, and that's how we're supposed to come to God. So hang out with Eric Schoenhoff. You want to know what childlike faith looks like. And I'm thinking about Mary, and despite some kind of lingering confusion, maybe she had her uncertainty and probably no small amount of fear that an angel came to you. You've never had sex with anybody, and he's telling you you're going to have a kid, and you're going to name him Jesus. Had to be powerful. But how does Mary respond to God? And really, that's for us today. How are we going to respond to God today? How are we going to respond to him with our lives today when we hear this? And Mary said in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And I figured that, I think that all this happen because God found favor with Mary. And you see it in verse 30. It said, do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. So then I thought to myself, I have some questions for Mary. I had some questions for Mary. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Mary, did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. What a song. What a lyric. I mean, I couldn't imagine. That had to be the Spirit of God writing. And I don't know who wrote this song. It wasn't John Anderson. I know that. Praise God. Mary, did you know? That your baby boy would walk where angels trod. When you kissed your little baby, you kissed the face of God. That is powerful. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to know that? And you're listening, God, to put such an initiating and reassuring grace from God towards us finds the fullest expression in Christ. And isms won't do that. You won't find the full expression in Christ because they don't even believe in Christ. But he enables us to respond with this kind of faith, which itself brings great pleasure and glory to God. 
You don't think the angels are rejoicing that you're here today? You don't think the angels are rejoicing that you're here and worshiping and listening to the word of God? Because they are. They're rejoicing. And the enemy's plotting at the same time. Like a roaring lion, Eric shared today in the teenagers. He's like a roaring lion wanting to take you captive. Question three for you today. How will you respond to God this Christmas season? Will it just be to attend Christmas Eve service? Question four, do you have a desire to grow closer to him? Any plans to do that the rest of 2019 and 2020? Any plans you have of growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or you just want to show up here every now and then? Are you thankful this Christmas season? Can you look around at your children or your family or your parents and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I realized I was thankful for my dad when I was 18 years old. And I know I told this story before, but there's new people here. And I can remember walking in D.C., playing a concert with a band at a dance in D.C. I can't even remember where it was. And walking down the street with my trumpet in my hand and a girl in my arm. This is pre-Kathy. Nothing like Kathy. She's my girl. And I looked down and I saw my father in a ditch, in a 20 by 20 foot ditch. It was probably 20 foot deep, one o'clock in the morning, getting ready to build a subway. That's how long ago this was. This was like maybe 70, 69, 70. And I looked down and my dad had a shovel and he was digging at two o'clock in the morning. And I said to myself, he's doing that for me. He's doing that for me. It's like I grew up. That's one of those moments where you grow up, where you as parents hope that it happens to your child, when all of a sudden they realize, man, dad and mom work hard for me. They do things for me. I'll never forget that night. The rest of my life. And then I think to myself, do we ever realize what he's done for us? What he has given us? What he sacrificed for us when he was whipped, when he was cursed at, when he was punched. I mean, if you've seen the passion of Christ, it's hard to sit through that. And I would tell people it was worse than that, what he went through for us. Are you thankful this Christmas season? Do you realize how much he would love you to seek him daily? Wow, Lily, that daily word's coming up again. Are you looking for an excuse not to connect with God? Too busy, happy the way you're living now, things are good? Praise God. Maybe you're living with unforgiveness. It's going to hurt you, man. Unforgiveness is going to hurt you. Question seven, and this might be for this season. Who is the Lord wanting you to invite to his house, this church? on Christmas Eve. There's got to be people in your neighborhood that are waiting for an invitation from you that the Lord wants to use you to bring him here so they can hear about Christ, not the isms. We have some flyers. The youth did a great job the other night, passed out about 200 of them. I pray that every car that got one of these on it that didn't have a church home would look at it and say, Oh, Community Christian Fellowship, is this where that old guy preaches? 
and come. Invite them. Seriously, I'll do 25 push-ups right here on Christmas Eve. Praise God. Boy, Nick, you're in trouble now. Who is the Lord wanting you to invite to his house this Christmas season? Maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a friend, maybe a neighbor, maybe a work association. And I'll close with this. The ushers want to come in the band. Because in Luke 1.37, it said this, For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I'd like to close today with this verse concerning this Christmas season. Maybe what we talked about in the teens today, because I thought to myself as a teenager, what would it look like to live the rest of your life? Whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. What would it look like? What would it look like for you as a teenager to live the rest of your life in school, out on the sports field, when you get married, when you start dating 10 years from now? What is that going to look like? That whatever I'm going to do in word and deed, when I when with this girl, or I'm a girl and I'm with this guy, I'm going to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Next week, we'll continue with Luke chapter 1 with Mary's song. Mary did a song. Maybe John Anderson could record that one. A song of praise calls the Magnificat. Father, thank you for your word today. Father, I pray today as the offering comes around that we realize, man, Father, am I really going to stand before you and give an account? Well, in 2019, I paid this amount of taxes and I gave this amount to you, Lord. I guess that's what I... You want me to share today, Lord. So help us to give with a cheerful heart. Help us to realize that your word says it will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With the measure you give, the measure will be given back to you, Father. And I think about my wife, and that's the greatest thing that you gave to me. I think about my salvation. That's the greatest thing you gave me, Father. So thank you, Lord. Bless the rest of our time here, this altar time. Because there's some ladies here I know that want nothing else but to see a revival in this place. To see this place filled with hungry people that are not just here to show up to uh, check a box, but here to worship you in spirit and truth. Father, help our offering today. Help the offerings the rest of this year, Lord. Because you know what we need, Father. And you've blessed this place so much, Lord. I'm thankful for that, Father. So I give you the glory, Lord, as we open up this altar, as we sing, as we worship, as we pray, as a church family, because we want nothing else but to love each other, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.